I've been out of the country for two weeks here. I'm a little bit out of the loop. And uh, there's been interesting developments here in the world of media. And luckily, for this program, we have a special media correspondent. Mr. Gary Chu is going to try and uh, educate us a bit. Gary. Hey, how are you? Welcome back to the States. Yeah, and of course, uh, your mellifluous tones are going to accentuate my um, winter cold, which I brought back with me to the Northern yeah, Hemisphere. Is, is that called a, a Brazilian bronchitis or something you have? Or? Uh, you know, I, it's, I, I picked this up in Brazil, and then when I was, you know, Brazil, it's like 70 degrees, pretty pretty mellow. Uh-huh. Went down to Buenos Aires, where the temperatures were in the 40s. Ooh. So I got an honest-to-God winter cold, even though here we're having 103-degree temperature. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the sun does does play uh, a different role at that time of year down there, or doesn't play a role, I suppose. Yeah, this, this heat felt pretty good for about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then it all changed. Then it started wearing, it wore out its welcome. Uh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess, Gary, that uh, that yesterday some breaking news took place here as regards this um, this matter of the FCC, Michael Powell, and media concentration, which is a subject near and dear to our hearts. Yeah, uh, it was kind of a surprise. Uh, there was a three-judge uh, federal appeals court uh, in Philadelphia. It was kind of a surprise that uh, they issued this order blocking the FCC from imposing uh, new rules that, that uh, as you said, make it easier for uh, media conglomerates to add new markets and to expand their business. And uh, kind of flew in the face with Powell, and I think today is the day... Uh, that the Senate Commerce Committee also with uh, Senator John McCain is uh, doing something with re- in that regard with uh, the new FCC rules that were voted on back, I think, in early June by a vote of three to two along party lines, re- Republicans against Democrats. Yeah. Well, what I gather from reading in the International Herald Tribune, which is, of course, an excellent paper, used to be published by the Washington Post and New York Times together, and I guess that the Times bought out the Post, but it's in English, and you can get a you know wonderful summary no matter where you are, which, you know, global capital. And they were talking in the International Herald about the fact that there was a lot of political opposition, uh, particularly, I guess, in the, um, in the lower House of Congress, not the Senate, but in the actual um, mm-hmm. House of Representatives, mm-hmm. to this. A lot of constituents across the country seem to think that this is really a bad thing, as, well, they should. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting how the, you know, the old line about the politics make strange bedfellows and we've got some strange folks in bed with each other right now on this issue yeah consumers union the national organization of women uh the national rifle association right right we've got, we've got now and the nra working together yeah on this. that's pretty strange huh yeah very strange but you know i think they're all looking at the aspect different aspects of the same problem probably you know and, and of course the the idea of localism is becoming even more important uh, these days and it has been over many years and I, I think this is part of it because uh, everyone is even if you're right of center or left of center when you think about just one voice telling you what to do whether it be government or big business or bo- or you know it, it gets can, it gets a little creepy and I think people are starting to realize that well I think that's, that's sort that, of my take on it yeah I think that's where you know I think we're community radio or stations like this KDVS mm-hmm. KVMR uh, mm-hmm. and certainly you know uh, NPR stations Capital sure. Public Radio serve a uh, a needed function here in just not you know giving citizens the corporate line which seems to be what uh, you're getting from NBC CBS uh, even mm-hmm. CNN certainly Fox well I think none of us are uh, 
you know, against there being a corporate line. In fact, that's part of what we're about. But also at the same time, it shouldn't be the only thing. That's mainly the problem, and that's sort of where this is leading us, making us. It's the only thing, and that's the that's the really prop, the big problem. Yeah, uh, I don't know whether you caught this one. I got I've got the week in front of me, Gary. But uh, apparently, over at Fox News, they've instructed the staffers to avoid references to Conan. Terminator and Kindergarten Cop in stories about Republican Arnold Schwarzenegger's bid to become California's governor. They oh, really? Said, yeah, they said that that, that effect belittles the candidacy, and that's just not fair and balanced. And, of course, yeah. they're suing Al Franken well, you using know, the phrase fair and balanced in his book attacking them. They've thrown that suit out. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but see, I can tell you've been in Buenos Aires. Like I have been, they yeah. They threw it out. Al Franken Thank has, God you're here for us, Gary. Al Franken has won. Really? Cheer for Al Franken there, yeah. Wow. It's going to help him sell his book even more, probably. Well, Al Franken is coming to uh, UC Berkeley in October, and I, mm. I think we're going to be there. Oh, yeah. Back to Arnold for just a moment. Uh, did you hear about, or since you've, uh, since you've been out of the country, did you hear about the, uh, the old Wee Magazine interview being surfacing the other day about him? I or, did not hear he that. He goes into explicit description back in 1977 of sexual relationships and uh, multiple partners and illegal drug use and stuff like this and somebody's put that on the internet yeah and uh, I, I noticed yesterday on the internet that uh, some people are saying that if Arnold wins the recall he'll be calling him governor gangbang I'm, I'm not sure whether we could use that Gary but I think we may try and sneak it past the well censors. we can always we yeah. can always do what John Stewart does on the daily yeah. show he can just put a beep in there yeah Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Arnold Schwarzenegger smoking marijuana and admitting, admitting it is a refreshing change well, yeah, actually, in American it doesn't politics. Really bother me at all about it. But the point is, it's not. It's a double standard if, if Bill Clinton uh, does something like that. Yeah. Although in the Oval Office, it's not the best place to do it. I might yeah. hastily add. Uh, then there's something never... they didn't let Bill off the hook on that. Yeah. One. Well, Bill said he tried it. He didn't like it because he, you know, he didn't inhale. He didn't like it. <laughs> Which has got to be, you know, one of the dumbest statements in recent American politics. But Well, it's a good answer. I remember when I was a college student here at UCD seeing Pumping Iron mm-hmm. and being very impressed. And mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was a sensational hit mm-hmm. as a documentary because of portraying this charismatic guy, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was the star of mm-hmm. the documentary. Mm-hmm. And it made him, you know, who he is today. Or certainly started him on the road. Of who yeah, he's become. You know, I, I don't have any trouble with that either. You know, it's just that, uh, uh, I, I, you know, he, he came to Sacramento on, I think it was Monday before you came back from Brazil. I think it was Labor Day, and, and he was outside the state fairgrounds here in Sacramento. Okay. Of course, you can't uh, uh, politicize yourself on the fairgrounds. I think it's against the law, but he he's avoiding debates, yeah. uh, but he's still trying to get the crowds, and, and uh, I have a little trouble with that. I think he should be a little more forthright and, and get involved in the debates. I think that the, the voter in California needs to know where he's coming from yeah. and not just uh, doing his movies, which yeah. uh, is, uh, is a very good business for him, and I think it's great that he makes a lot of money doing it, but he needs to be switch gears and, and be a politician now if that's what he wants to be. Well, this whole recall thing, we're going to be following this story very closely, uh, but, you know, I mean, 
in the first segment, I was telling you know our audience that uh, I'm I'm down in Argentina talking to cab drivers. Mm-hmm. Argentina, a country that could you know write the book on bad governance, mm-hmm. and the cab drivers are asking me, "What's the deal with Arnold Schwarzenegger for your governor?" I mean, they're <laughs> laughing about the absurd. I mean, this is Argentinians. This is Argentines laughing right. about this. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me one bit. It, it really does sort of hold us up to ridicule, I think, in the eyes of the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not just Arnold. It's just that, like, we're recalling a governor for no cause. We're recalling him because the law allows you to recall a governor for no reason. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what really has sort of caught people's uh, attention, I think. Well, you know, there's the a big push that uh, started either yesterday or today. Uh, the Move On Org group is starting to try to turn it back on sort of a national level, even though it's actually a state thing. I'm not sure how what's going to go on with it, but I did see something on the Internet about it t- today. Gary, this idea that, you know, elections are elections and, and you should just honor an election, mm-hmm. I think it's very ironic that in the wake of election 2000, you know, a fiasco mm-hmm. theft in Florida, mm-hmm. and I think... I. I certainly think that was a theft of an election, a national election, mm-hmm. by what, by this chicanery that took place in the Sunshine State, mm-hmm. that these same Republicans who just, you know, could not take an extra week mm-hmm. to count the votes mm-hmm. were willing to subject the voters in this state mm-hmm. to an expensive special election to, mm-hmm. you know, throw the governor out. I mean, like, what, I mean, wh- how hypocritical. This uh, recall effort and this recall recall kind of thing now that uh, some people are trying to get going, uh, spinning out of, I think, of the fact that they were so successful in raising money back in Texas for support of this gerrymandering fiasco they've been trying to pull down there, causing the Texas Democrats to hide out in Albuquerque. Now, did they get the Texas Democrats back into the, into the well, Lone Star State? Well, I think they're state? back, yeah. and they, the, they, had, they raised quite a bit of money for them uh, in the, you know, people being sympathetic with the Democrats who were hiding out in New Mexico to avoid this gerrymandering business that Tom DeLay, uh, a U.S. representative from Texas who was uh, running that show, I understand, from what uh, Molly Ivins tells me on her column. By the way, Molly had some really good stuff about Arnold in her column this week. You might want to surf by and check that out, too. Well, I may need to catch that. Molly Ivins is, is pretty good. Yeah, she is. Uh, she's got some interesting and rather pithy things to say this week. I'm hoping we can get uh, Kim Alexander and maybe, maybe even Greg Palace. We should put a plug in for the fact that Dr. Andy's show yesterday brought back uh, one of the world's great investigative journalists to the KDVS listenership to talk a bit uh, about what you know Greg talks about political uh, corruption going on around the world. Palace is big on, uh, on, 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 you know, basically voter theft, and he's talked about it. We've had Kim Alexander and Cosmo Garvin from the News and Review, Kim from the uh, California Voter Foundation. I'm hoping we can come back to that issue in the, um, in the months to come because we're going to do redistricting here in California. And, you know, gerrymandering is just a fine art in this country. And the degree to which they draw these lines, they draw these crazy districts that look like palm trees. They got fringes going out every which way to like cut a deal between the two parties, which I think we, that needs to be eliminated. But I don't know how we're going to do it. But um, you know, add that to our tasks of things, a list of tasks, things that must be uh, must be done here for for political reform. But let's talk about some movies. Hey, I got a, a movie to, to talk about, uh, a movie that's not actually going to be on the big screen. It's, it's going to 
It's going to premiere on HBO this coming Sunday evening, I think about 9.30 local time. Uh-huh. And uh, I think you probably may know something about this uh, yourself. It's, it's uh, Antonio Banderas plays Pancho Villa in a movie <laughs> called, quote, and starring Pancho Villa as himself. Now, does that cause you to think of anything historically? Well, yes, it does, because uh, because uh, my recollection is that uh, back in about the 1910s, when uh, Pancho Villa and Venustiano Carranza and Francisco Aymadero were all fighting to become the president of Mexico, um, Villa at one point had a movie crew come down from America to film him as he was going about bombing things and conducting raids. That's sort of what this movie is about. It's uh, written by Larry Gelbart. Uh, of oh, he's, he's good. Yes. And it's com- directed by Bruce Beresford, who did uh, Breaker Morant, one of my favorite Aussie movies. Yeah, that's a great oh, movie. And also one of my favorite macho movies, too. In fact, this movie is very macho, but it's very Tex-Mex. Uh-huh. And you're right, uh, D.W. Griffith was involved with that movie, and it was 1914, back when Fort Lee, New Jersey, was the movie capital of the word, not the, the place we all know and love to the south of us here along the coast of California. Yeah. Anyway, it, it's a pretty good movie. It's, uh, there's a lot there because of the politics uh, and what you related to, because there was an arms embargo going on with... Uh, with uh, Pancho Villa from the Amer- from America, he couldn't get uh, arms, and that was being fueled by William Randolph Hearst. And uh, but he did make this pitch to D.W. Griffith and the Mutual Film Corporation of uh, Fort Lee, New Jersey, Boy. to he, come he, down he, and he, do this. And, and, he, he, and his it, what he wanted yeah. was twenty five grand in gold against twenty percent of the profits. That sounds like a real socialist at work, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it <laughs> sounds like he could give, a, give Hollywood agents a few lessons. <laughs> anyway, it, it's pretty funny, and, and it's, it's kind of light like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, but it does take a turn toward getting kind of serious toward the end, and that kind of mucks it up a little bit. Well, but it's, it's, worth, uh, it's worth an hour and 45 minutes of watching on HBO. Well, maybe some of our listeners will, uh, will do that. I, I might want to do that myself. I recommend it. It sounds interesting. Um, you know, just as an aside, I, when I was, one thing that amazes me in this whole Michael Powell thing is, you know, this media concentration. Uh, as I come back, I find out that Vivendi and G, and GE are talking about joining forces in a merger. And now GE, I think, is like the number six media corporation in the world. Vivendi's like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And so this would just be even, you know, more, more of the same. And... Um, it's pretty weird to be like in a hotel room in Montevideo, Uruguay, and flip on the TV, and you're seeing American movies. Are they in Portuguese or in uh, Spanish? Um, or? You, in, port, in, in Brazil, you'll see them in Portuguese, or you'll see with, with uh, in English with Portuguese subtitles generally, mm-hmm. or in, in the Spanish-speaking countries uh, in English with Spanish subtitles as a rule. But, oddly enough, cartoons, the Hulk. Fox is bringing cartoons of the Hulk and Woody Woodpecker to uh, Buenos Aires, I think, which is, which is, of course, I'm sure badly needed. You'll see uh, old, Gary, get this, old Zorro programs from <laughs> Walt Disney in the 50s, translated into Spanish with Guy Williams as the dashing Zorro. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll have I Love Lucy translated into Spanish. And it's like, it's amazing the penetration of American culture deep into South America. Do you know, uh, there was a, an author some years ago, and I can't remember his name now, don't ask me, but how he defined that process was the Los Angelization of the world. Yeah. And that's pretty much 
what's going on. <laughs> well, that's for sure. I mean, I refer to it as America's cultural imperialism. And I think we you know we can decry the, the sad state of you know what Hollywood produces, but mm. what we don't sometimes realize is that the rest of the nations of the world, they all watch Hollywood movies too. Mm-hmm. And um, on television, as I'm flipping the channels, I get one scene with uh, in, uh, some production on in English showing a guy with a gun to woman's head trying to circumvent agents who have guns pointed around and he's trying to like get away with the, this hostage and the agents are surrounding her and yada yada yada. I flip the channel and they have another American produced you know made for TV type movie with a guy with a woman hostage pointing a gun surrounded by law enforcement agents. I mean it's same thing. different movie in the same scene. Huh? Sa- basically the same theme of you know people in America wielding guns, taking people hostages as law enforcement people are battling them. And I thought this is the view the rest of the world has of America. You're leading us right back to Bowling uh, for Columbine. You know uh, Michael's uh, movie yeah. talking about the statistics of gun deaths in the United States is absolutely obscene. Well, it certainly is. You don't you don't see that in too many other countries. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, in Brazil, I was traveling with some South Africans, and they were describing how, you know, in South Africa, there's been a violence level which has approached that of what we see in America, and how, of course, they're they're appalled by mm-hmm. this. Gary, we could talk about the we could talk about the media. I think for probably a whole hour, and we probably ought to one of these days. But let me just uh, let's just just close this segment. I think with an interesting thing. I want to just. Just toss at you whether you know anything about this. You mentioned that uh, back in 1914 that uh, with D.W. Griffith, New Jersey was one of the uh, film centers of the, of, um, of the world. Are you aware of the fact that right here in the Bay Area, Charlie Chaplin, uh, Ben Turpin, Bronco Billy Anderson, Max Sennett, the Keystone Cops, are making movies just 90 miles away from here? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know a lot about it, but I, I do know that uh, there was uh, some of that action going on in San Francisco, or, or you know, around... Actually, it was in what is the present-day town of Fremont, California, my hometown. In fact, my home district of, of Fremont, Niles, California, mm-hmm. which uh, which is a, a small little enclave, um, was making movies in a big way about 1915. In fact... You say 1915? 1915. They arrived there from 1913, SNA Studios... And the movie Chaplin, which was, I thought, a very good movie, uh, David Attenborough's film with uh, mm-hmm. Robert Downey. Right. They uh-huh. showed a lot of that with, uh, I think, um, Dan Aykroyd playing Max Sennett. Mm-hmm. But uh, right there in Little Niles, they were filming westerns up in Niles Canyon, which is you can which you access between Pleasanton, take mm-hmm. a shortcut through to the Bay Area there, through Niles, it's about eight miles, pretty little canyon. A lot of old Hollywood films. My dad said when he was a kid he'd recognize some of the scenery in these old movies that were being shot right up there in, in really? Niles Canyon. Yeah. And you know, that was almost exactly the same time when uh, Griffith was coming out to the Texas-Mexico border and they were doing the uh, uh, the thing with Pancho Villa. I think that was like 1914. Which, which, which made me think of that. But yeah. here's, a, here's a great little bit of movie trivia which you may not know. Charlie Chaplin, of course... Uh, was making movies for a couple of years when he stumbled upon this character which basically made him the most famous mm-hmm. probably person in the world without any doubt and I would I, for my money still the greatest movie star of all time mm-hmm. Charlie Chaplin the tramp was invented right there in Niles California well I didn't know that either but I do know that one of my the funniest movies I have ever seen in my life uh-huh. bar none is Modern Times yeah. by Charlie Ch- with Charlie Chaplin. I thought I was going to die laughing in that movie. Yeah, so you're, you're also a big fan. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. 
But I, I think it's just some, that 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 famous scene where he walks off in the sunset with those you know with those oversized shoes, and the camera mm-hmm. closes down as as they end the movie, The Tramp, mm-hmm. filmed a mile from where I grew up. Wow, that's uh, that's impressive. But you know, and, you, and, you, and you're giving me something that I didn't I didn't know I didn't know that they, that, that they, happened there. They didn't teach you that in film school. No, they didn't. Well, by God, that's why people tune into I think radio. Parallax. I guess so. I need to listen to your show more often, Doug. <laughs> Well, Gary, it's always a pleasure. I'm, okay. I'm hoping my jet lag and uh, and Southern Hemisphere uh, winter cold are not uh, are not uh, clouding my mentation too badly here. Well, I'll tell you what. There's nothing more chic than having a winter cold from the Southern Hemisphere. Well, I, I never thought about in it in the you, summertime. You, you might be right. Yeah. All right. I'd spread it around. All right. I well, mean, the idea, not the cold. Well, I, hopefully, I'm not infectious anymore. <laughs> Let's hope. Take well, care, Gary. Thanks again. Thanks again to our good pal, Mr. Gary Chu. You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM. This is Radio Parallax, and um, I'm your host, the slightly jet-lagged Douglas Everett.